Good morning. This is Michael Stoller for the Stoller Real Estate Report on the Cats Roundtable. Affordable housing is a very big need in New York City and around the nation. And this morning, I'm very happy to have one of the leaders of the financing for affordable housing, Andrew Warren, Senior Vice President at the TD Bank. So, Andrew, let's talk about affordable housing. What is what is affordable housing, especially in New York City? A lot of different things that, that we call affordable housing in New York. What we mostly talk about when we say affordable housing is subsidized housing, income-restricted, rent-restricted housing. But there's a whole ecosystem of different types of real estate, different apartments across the city. We have public housing. We have rent-stabilized housing. We have Section 8 vouchers that some folks have. You know, when we do affordable housing, when we build it, we're talking about long-term permanent affordable housing for for families and individuals that are making below a certain income and because they're making below a certain income we can keep it affordable by keeping the rent below a certain level what's the status with the new york city housing authority buildings these buildings are over 75 years of age or some may be close to 100 years of age what what's happening with those apartments how do you get in those apartments and are they renovating and restoring these buildings yeah new york city housing authority i mean nycha is 500,000, over 500,000 people in the city. If you looked at NYCHA as a standalone city, it would be the 35th largest city in America. It's bigger than Atlanta. It's bigger than Cleveland. It's bigger than Miami in some places. So to get in, the waiting lists for these units are, are miles long. It's, it's truly you know, housing for people that desperately need it. But what's happened over the past 75 to 100 years as these units were built, you know, starting in the 30s and 40s, is they just haven't had the investment over time. They haven't been able to keep up with the maintenance. About a decade ago, we talked about a $30 billion price tag to bring the units at NYCHA up to habitability and code, to be able to bring all the offline units back online. And that price tag, based on price escalations and just the world we live in, is somewhere about $78 billion now. It's a massive undertaking, and it's something that the city is taking seriously. And what I think the city is going to be focusing on for the next decade as they try and bring people back in. Now, <clears throat> part of that use of that property could be the garages over there that were built years ago, mm-hmm. and they could knock down the garages and build housing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean there's density that can be added to certain sites. I think I think one of the nice things about a lot of NYCHA projects is that you do have green spaces, which are pretty important for the city. Um, there are lots of projects that are being discussed. They're complicated and they're controversial depending upon how long they're going to take but trying to bring more units in, trying to take underutilized sites. We did a project out in, in Bushwick where we did take an underutilized parking lot and we added seniors housing to that site. It's a really great project and it's an opportunity to take. Now, you said you added seniors housing. Explain to me what the housing was and the prices and so on. So this is a, it's a building in Bushwick where the units are going to be 100% age-restricted for, for folks uh, living in the city, either coming out of the existing public housing units or, or coming out of other parts of the city. Um, they're all going to be subsidized with Section 8, which means that those seniors, no matter how much they earn, how much they have, their rent will be subsidized and covered by a contract from HUD, which means that they'll be able to live permanently and safely and comfortably in those apartments without worrying about whether they have money to pay for rent beyond what they can afford through their means. So is what is the rent that they're going to pay? About 30% of their income, no matter what that income is. So and how do you qualify to get into one of these apartments? So everything in affordable housing is income restricted. So depending upon how many people live in your household, depending upon um, you know where you are in the country, there's an income limit that is provided on a local basis. So for, for an individual, you know, 
senior, you know, that that's pretty low, especially in, in these types of units. What the city also focuses on is trying to get deeper affordability so you can get people making as little as 30% of the New York City median income. New which York is which is what? So family of four right now, that's about $115,000. Not not poor, but not a lot. You know, not right. enough to make means. So if you're talking about 30% of that, you're talking about somebody making, you know, call it twenty to $30,000 a year, depending upon their household size. Now, what about these housing in Long Island City and Brownsville and so on, these affordable housing? So there's been some really cool transformational projects that the city has done over the past, you know, 5, 10, 15 years. You're talking about, you know, Hunters Point South in Long Island City. You're talking about the Willits Point redevelopment out in Flushing. Um, new announcement. I know you talked about it at one point about some uh, about a 2,000 unit you know mixed use project in Brownsville. You know those are those are real transformational projects that are that the city is making investments in, changing entire neighborhoods and taking underutilized areas and developing real vibrant neighborhoods out of them. I mean the nice thing about those projects is that you get one density. The city's putting an enormous amount of money, an enormous amount of zoning changes into these areas, which allows you to get services. Low-income units, middle-income units, market-rate units, healthy neighborhoods, vibrant neighborhoods, transportation options, and schools all on the same site. You know, these are, these are to our generation, you know, what was being done back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s as the city tried to reclaim land. It's, it's pretty incredible what, what we can do, and, and I think the city's getting a lot out of it. When what they, about the lottery system? Explain to my yeah. listeners. So in order to get into affordable housing in New York City, there's something called Housing Connect. And there's a website. It's totally transparent that anybody can apply to. They publish any unit that's coming online that's been subsidized um, so that anybody that wants to apply to that unit can apply to it. As long as you make the income restrictions and as long as you're the right household size, you know, you get entered into a lottery for those units. And just to give you clear context of how hard it is to get a unit, a typical affordable housing project of 100 units is going to get 80 to 120,000 people applying. I mean, it's really a lottery for these units. And the uh, the qualification is strictly on income and family size? Income and household size, yeah. So I have a question with regard to somebody qualifies today because they're earning X amount of money. They're at $30,000 or mm-hmm. something. Subsequently, they increase and they're now earning $100,000. Mm-hmm. They are quali- what 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 is the rent going to be for those people? So it it stays the same, right? The rents go up based on incomes going up across the city, but not based on the individual's income. And stepping aside, you know, rent protections and rent regulations, I think you find out that that doesn't happen as frequently as possible, and the people end up making significantly below the max income in these units. What you do end up seeing is that. For people that start to make over a certain income that don't qualify for the lottery in the first place, there really is nothing for those people whatsoever. Once you cross that 80% immediate income ban, which is a family of four making about you know, $80,000, $90,000, $100,000 a year, that's, that's it. You're stuck with market rate housing, and there's really nothing for those folks. You look at the city right now, and you've got rent burden for about 33% of our households that pay more than 50% of their income towards rent each month. About half of New York City pays more than a third. So these units are a lifeline. Staying in these units is the problem because we don't have anything beyond that low income you know, threshold for those families to move into that can also be affordable. Once they cross it, they market rate, they're, you know, they're going to be paying significantly more. And, and that means that they can't stay. Let's talk about the bank's role in affordable housing. 
So we're both a lender and an investor. We're a long-term investor in these projects. We make 15-year investments into these deals. Um, we are a construction lender, and we are also a backer of New York City Housing Development Corporation and the New York State Housing Finance Agency. What about what's the, what are these terms? Supportive housing and nonprofits. Non- so supportive housing is a service-enriched housing where individuals that are vulnerable, individuals that that may not be able to live independently, that otherwise in in some cases would fall back on institutionalization, hospitalization you know, prison or street homelessness, you know, we need to provide some form of support in the form of nonprofits with wraparound services to allow those folks to move out of shelters, move off the street, move out of other areas and move into into some form of stable housing. It's been proven effective across New York State, which has been the leader in the supportive housing movement, that the cost of funding those services and allowing those people to live independently takes a huge burden off of other institutions that are government funded. So from a cost standpoint, from a social standpoint, it's one of the most successful housing programs to attract you know, vulnerable, frail populations that we've ever had. So the, the big question is we have a, lo- a large migrant population coming here. We have other people coming here. How, who, who, who qualifies? If you're an immigrant, can you get an affordable apartment? It's going to be challenging. I mean, we have, you know, you have to prove income. You have to certainly prove other other means. And if you can't work or if you don't have documentation, you know, qualifying for affordable housing is is not always feasible. Um, It's one of the great challenges we're going to be facing as we do have, you know, migrants entering the city, homeless shelters that are, you know, at full capacity and really nowhere else for, for anybody to go. You know, moving people out of shelter into a permanent home even for folks that are, you know, natural citizens here, there's not enough places, which means that we're consistently overflowing, and that's going to lead to homelessness on the street, and we don't want that. So I'm very happy to have you today. Happy that TD Bank is a big supporter of this the projects of affordable housing. New York City people, we want the city to grow and continues to strive, and I'd like to thank you again for being here on the Stoller Report. Thank you.